Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Good morning, good afternoon, good night to everybody tuning in, wherever in the world you're from. We are live here from Florida. We just got hit by a hurricane, so we want to talk about all the things that are happening in our state with somebody very dear to me, an expert on the topic. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So you ready? Yeah. Thank you, Issa, for inviting me. Yeah, my name is Mackenzie Marsland. I'm the Climate Justice Manager for Florida Rising, and it's a pleasure to be here. Excited to talk about Hurricane Ian and, you know, the response effort and what we can do to rebuild our communities and make sure that we're all safe and happy and sound. Thank you so much, Mackenzie, for taking the time to be here with us. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you. You're one of my besties, but the people don't know you. And they I feel like they deserve to get the opportunity to get to know a little bit more of you. Yeah, Issa, we've known each other for like quite some time. I've been working with New Florida Jordy for the Rising for quite some time. Since 2019, I've been doing organizing work since 2017, 2018. But I've been really involved in making sure that we can change our communities, our environments for quite some time because I've experienced a lot of things. And yeah, I just want to make sure that communities are able to prosper and continue thriving. In particular to like climate change and climate justice, like that work, I, yeah, I started in, I was doing like voter registration for young people in 2018. And I was working on a particular campus in Miami-Dade. And like a lot of the youth and young people just really started elevating the conversation about climate change and climate justice. And that's something that I've always, you know, cared about. I've always had a connection, you know, with the land and just wanting to see, yeah, people care, take care of the land and take care of people. But it really elevated and really blew up for me because I was just focusing on on like what solutions are coming. I knew, you know, we knew that there's the existentialness of climate change and, and whatnot, but really shifting towards like what are some solutions that we bring forward and like those particular students on that campus really like helped elevate just like those conversations and really exploring. So, yeah. I think what's really wild when we talk about the planet is that we see the earth as this like infinite bank of resources. But in reality, it's not like that. And when the hurricane came and we see the disaster that it left in the West Coast of Florida, we see that the earth don't really need us, you know, and there's no other place to go. And so when I think about it, it's like, We are all very deep into this lie, right, of like money and what money means and like, you know, landlords scamming us for a rent price that isn't even in accord with what we're getting. And it it is just wild to me that from one second to the other, we can lose everything because we are a speck in the universe. And I think it's very interesting how young people are leading this movement for change because everything that we're doing right now is going to affect them. 
you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're just going to die and that's <laughs> going to be it, you know, but yeah. they're going to live with the repercussions of the actions that we're taking right now. So yeah. with that point, Issa, I think, you know, you're talking about like young people, you know, facing the repercussions like, yeah, that's true. But I think the impacts of the climate crisis is happening now and it's been happening throughout our lives and we've seen it in different ways you know like in particular to me like I said like I think I've always been a part of those conversations like I remember as a kid just living across the street to like a a plant that's like pumping out like I don't god knows what you know what I mean I faced disconnections with and had my power to you know had our power turned off during like the coldest of winters and and the warmest of weathers you know I've lived in communities where it's just straight concrete and also the hurricanes you know i lost two weeks of <laughs> of summer when i was younger to like a, a series of hurricanes that were that happened in florida i believe i was like in middle school at the time and so like these things have always been present and always around us for our community and it's just going to continue to heighten if we don't respond and like yes it'll be particularly relevant and in our faces for young people in the next generation but we're seeing those things now, particularly yeah. with black and brown communities, low income communities. And yeah. yeah. So that's that's what I was going to talk to you about and ask you, because everything in this country is very racialized. Right. So it goes by zip code, depending on your zip code is the, the type of help you're going to get from both the federal and the state government. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened with Hurricane Ian? What are the steps that the government is taking? What is going on for the people that don't know? So Hurricane Ian, meteorologists and folks identified that a tropical storm was developing. And eventually that tropical storm developed into Hurricane Ian. It reached up to a Category 4 hurricane and it was en route to hit the west coast of Florida. And it did. It it was at, at its max. It was at 155 miles per hour winds. And if we're talking, you know, the hurricane categories, it was hurricane category four, but it was literally two miles per hour away from being a category five hurricane. And that's that's insane. You know, a category four close to a category five hurricane hit the, the, the west coast of Florida, the Fort Myers area. And it was untold devastation that occurred. And it continued on going through central Florida, dumping lots of rain in that central Florida area and and folks experiencing uh, flooding, storm surges. You know, I I live in the the South Florida area. Fortunately, we weren't able, we weren't hit directly and faced a little impact, but there's still, you know, I had the tornadoes that were developing that were miles away from me. So yeah, it it was a scary thing. And, you know, it it was a very serious, uh, a serious thing. Fortunately, you know, once it hit landfall, it weakened and you know continue on but again the damage is there right now you know folks are predicting 70 billion dollars in economic damage right the death toll at 105 overloaded sewage and and, and drainage systems that are happening across the state and folks over 2 million utility customers were left without power at that that initial hit you know right now i think the count is at 400,000 plus customers that are still without power right now and you know, in particular to talking about power outages and shutoffs, you know, that number is talking about customers, right? Households, right? It's not necessarily accounting the people in those houses, right? So there's one electric customer, but there could be your grandmother, your spouse, siblings in that household with you that are without power. So that number is is honestly inaccurate. And 
it's crazy because, you know, electricity is so vital for folks to thrive and survive nowadays. And folks experiencing power right now in this crisis, it's, it's harmful, right? Folks need medical devices to keep alive the heat. We need the AC and electricity to keep cool during the time. We need to power our food and water and the, just the amount of stress that folks are experiencing being in their homes, experiencing like spoiled foods in their refrigerator. It's awful. And and yeah, you know, fortunately, we've been coalition of community organizations and churches and individuals coming together, really focusing on like how we respond and address the oversights of elected officials and and government entities because their folks are feeling neglected and passed upon. And we want to make sure that there is a response and there is aid for communities that are most impacted and ignored when it comes to recovery. 100%. I think what's very interesting in these, when it comes to natural disasters, is that, you know, politicians and wealthy people will always have the chance to leave, Mm -hmm. right? And like leave to another, other states and leave to other countries. But the citizens of Florida, the working class citizens of Florida do not have that privilege. Mm -hmm. to just like get up and go. And so what do you see? So we're talking about like a very micro site of what's happening in Florida, right? We see that historically undocumented communities, Black communities, Latinx communities, Indigenous communities have historically been neglected. We, We can talk about like Katrina, right? The governmental response when it came to that hurricane how is what is happening here statewide is kind of like zooming out to our political climate in the United States and globally? Because this is how everything works in the country, right? Marginalized communities are always left, you know, to fend from the, for, for themselves. Like I read a headline of a story where they had evacuation zones and there was a prison in Fort Myers mm-hmm. that was inside an evacuation zone and they didn't evacuate. Mm-hmm. You know, So when we talk about the importance of people's lives, who are we putting to the forefront? And why is that historically the case of people who get special treatment over others. So how do you see climate change going for the the rest of the country? Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the, the pandemic, Hurricane Ian, the disaster, the multiple hurricane disasters, and you can see like a pattern in that, yeah, like you were saying, Black and brown people, Indigenous communities, low-income communities were often neglected. And climate change, the, these natural disasters, these aren't the problem, right? It's the economic system, the social system that are creating these crises, right? And, you know, we're looking at how folks are responding and it's usually through a lens of profit. What's the cheapest? What can make us the most money? And we often ignore the communities and aren't as focused on on response because we have the idea of profit in mind. And I think that's really the problem. We need to change our systems that exist right now. You know, read in a book and I'm, you know, forgetting the name of this young climate activist, but she essentially said, you know, the, the climate crisis, natural disasters, they aren't the problem and they, they aren't discriminatory, right? They're going to hit wherever they're going to hit and the impacts of the crisis and hurricane, they're going to hit everyone. But how we respond to it 
is discriminatory, right? How we choose to focus in on certain communities and is is devastating to see. You know, we have a community, but you know, black community in Fort Myers that are being neglected when it comes to the cleanup, having the access to food and water, getting their powers turned on. We've seen that time and time again that black and brown communities are the last, usually the last folks to to get their power turned on. And even when it comes to insurance practices, right, often communities are at years with that years with having to pay for the damage or not getting the insurance policies and money like fast enough. Right. And this is this has been ongoing. Right. We've seen time and time again how disasters are hurting the most vulnerable among us. And yet we continue to do the same thing. And I think it's because it's profitable. You know, for it's profitable for companies to rebuild those same things. It's profitable for for insurance companies. It's profitable for the utility companies. It's, pro- it's profitable for everyone because at the end of the day, the folks that are really paying for it are us, our communities. And so, yeah, thank you for that. So when it comes to our organization, right, Florida Rising, what are we specifically doing to mitigate or change what is happening when it comes to climate change? Yeah, well, I could talk about like one, our response. We've been doing, we've been reaching out to our community members, doing wellness checks, calling folks and trying to assess the damage, see where resources are needed. Similar to what we did in Hurricane Irma, we went to post the hurricane. We immediately went out to communities, checked on our folks, set up barbecues and grills to provide food for folks, water for folks, passing out any supplies that are needed. Here in Miami, working with like Valencia Gunder and the Smile Trust to collect donations and have them shift off to impacted areas, setting up hubs around the community, again, to make sure folks have resources and, you know, addressing the needs that are needed, right? The multiple organizations collectively signed on to a demand that is, that's seeking just recovery, right? And that just means, you know, folks are being displaced and pushed to the side and, you know, not being, having proper response post-hurricane, but, you know, having a just recovery means that we have transformative solutions, right, that are focusing on response, recovery, and rebuilding in a way that we're able to sustain and thrive long-lasting. And and what that looks like is a set of five demands, right? That's one, equitable and immediate emergency aid, making sure FEMA, all the disaster entities and corporations like utility companies are making sure that every Floridian has access to food, has access to utilities, and a safe home. You know, having a moratorium on shutoffs and assuring that folks have have food, water, and medical supplies equitably, right? And the second one's protecting renters. It's not lost on me that the hurricane came at the end of the month, transitioning into beginning of October. A lot of folks were using that rent money to prepare themselves to buy supplies, maybe even move. So there's economic collapse that happened for folks. And so we're really calling on the governor to have a 90-day rent and eviction moratorium, using federal funds to prioritize folks that need urgent housing right now The Hurricane Ian has created. And, and three, protecting immigrant folks, right? There's been numerous reports, folks that are trying to get sandbags, trying to get resources and being turned away because the ideas are required, right? And ensuring that one, that we all have 
this just signifies the importance of community IDs, but also restricting or relieving or ridding of those restrictions, right? Like we all should have access to emergency equipment and also just having a moratorium on displacement or on deportations. It's not the time to start pushing out communities. And I think in the past, it's, that's something that has happened. And, you know, many folks are being displaced and it's not the time for us to think about deportation while we're focusing on emergency response and politicizing a group of people, right, that's just looking to live and thrive. And then for protecting workers as, as folks go out to rebuild and making sure that those workers are treated fairly, are compensated fairly, are treated safely, and folks should have the right to return to their jobs and also have paid emergency leave, right? I'm thinking about the folks that, again, it's like rent is due, Folks, you know, there are folks that missed, you know, some time off from work. Some folks are coming back and realizing that the place of their work is completely gone. So it's like, what are they going to do? So, yeah, just making sure folks have access to those, you know, paid emergency leave, that they are able to evacuate for their jobs. And then lastly, protecting democracy. It's hurricane season, but it's also election season. And we need to ensure that eligible voters are able to vote regardless of their impact, but especially because of their impact making sure they're same day um, voter registration. So those are some of the demands that we're seeking to really have a just recovery. Some are immediate needs and some are just long-term needs. And, you know, we just wanted to say like just recovery is also a policy choice. We need to make those changes to protect our communities and rebuild a community that's able to withstand these, these disasters, but also able to repair or not repair, but recover easily, you know, it, as disasters come through. Yeah. So if we look, so this is one specific incident of many that are going to happen because mm -hmm. if we don't put a stop to the practices, well, if corporations don't put stop to the practices that they're doing right now, this is going to continue happening. Right. And so globally, what I also understand that we cannot just stop everything from the roots by tomorrow. Right. So what is that process looking like? What can we do as, you know, active residents of the state of Florida to push for that change in our environment? Yeah, I think really, and I think you kind of hinted at like that shift, right? You know, with climate change, we're shifting, you know what I mean? People are like the higher ups, uh, rich folks. You know, people who have power, they're seeing these changes, the shift of change. They're seeing that it's getting hotter. They're seeing that hurricanes are coming. They're seeing flooding. They're seeing our systems are like not with able to withstand the, the problems that fossil fuel industries. And, you know, you're like we're already transitioning towards a society that is keeping in mind of the climate crisis. Right. But. That, that's happening for folks that have that power, that have the access. The same folks that are that are largely responsible for the climate crisis are the folks that are preparing and have access to those resources. We're looking, you know, at developers moving more inland to higher elevation areas because we see that sea level rise is happening. We're seeing large utility companies, you know, trying to take over the, the solar industry because that's that's the pathway forward. We we see that that many rich folks have access to solar power. We see that people that again people with, with wealth have the ability to leave disaster and then come back and do that process of recovery. So again, we're transitioning and already adapting to the climate crisis, but the problem is 
that those resources and those solutions are happening for the wealthy and the powerful. So, you know, really what I love about climate justice work is the solutions, right? And just transition is that solution. And, and, and just transition, you know, there, there are other people that can more eloquently, you know, explain that concept, but it's really just shifting our economy, shifting our social systems away from how we have it now, which is extractive. We extract resources from the land, we extract and exploit human labor and limit resources to only, again, the rich and powerful. And so that that concept is saying going from an extractive one and shifting it to a regenerative economy, right? So going from an economic system that prioritizes profit over people, um, going to a regenerative economy that centers people, that centers people and the, the land that we live on, right? Because if we take care of our land, we take we're taking care of ourselves. And so, and so, yeah, th- that concept, you know, I I love it. You know, the idea of a regenerative economy where we're focusing on not just extracting just because we need oil and gas, but thinking through what are the resources that we can have, like solar, like wind, that that can replenish provider resources for us, right? But also still replenish the land and not harm the land. You know, we again, a lot of the things that we do, we think through profit-driven, but what what does a world look like that we're focusing on people, right? Instead of that, there's large, you know, folks like Walmart, Publix, and all these companies, they throw out their food, right? Because at the end of the day, because it's not going to make them a profit, right? And so shifting those things and saying like, okay, how can we make sure that people have what they need, like ha- like having energy, having food, having a home. All these systems are focused on exploitation, extraction, and profit. And what does it look like? And just transition is really talking about that equitable shift towards addressing climate crisis in a way that's focused, again, focused on people and the land that we live on. Thank you, Mackenzie. I've learned so much about mm-hmm. this conversation. If you could change the world by tomorrow, what would that look like? Oof, by tomorrow? By tomorrow. And by I can t- do... By tonight, end of day. If you could pass any policy you wanted, if you could have the resources that you wanted for our people, what would that look like? Or what would that feel like? What would you see? Man, I think about so much, right? Like for me, I'm thinking about like neighborhoods that are green, Right that just have tree canopies, that have open fields and less concrete, right? Seeing alternative forms of energy that is that, you know, we have energy because we need it and not necessarily because it's a profit, right? Folks have their own grid system where they they have their own power. That that looks like not putting a price on land, not putting a price on people's labor. Like we're doing things, we're doing things because we need to do those things and not purely in the sense of profit. Yeah. So that's like solar power, more green spaces. I can think of a whole, a whole list of things, but just living in a world where, yeah, we're just centering ourselves and making sure that we have a coexisting relationship with the land and really centering on the most vulnerable among us and making sure that we have the things that we need. So, yeah, I think that's like my vision of a world. And that's what I've strived to achieve through my work and through my life is that's really what I really want to center myself on. And I think that's a brilliant question because there's a lot of doom and gloom when it comes to the climate change. And it's real, like it's real. 
you know, the scientists say we have a number of years to really revert the changes that we need to. And it's real. And we're seeing those in real life play out in real life. And it, it can be scary. It can feel that existential dread. But again, what really attracted me about climate justice is those ideas about regenerative economy, just transition, protecting communities and changing, rapidly changing neighborhoods, rapidly changing the circumstances of, of our lives and not necessarily having a, you know, a determination by zip code of what your trajectory of your life, the trajectory of your health can be. That's the world I envision. And again, I love the, the climate justice and what attracted me to these principles, this philosophy is really because of the solutions, like we can rapidly change right now, rapidly change the makeup of our neighborhoods, our health and the lives that we live in. 100%. My last question for you, if I had enough resources to give you a billboard, 95 South, <laughs> peak time, everybody getting out of work, every student, every university student, every college student, every middle elementary parents, everybody could see it. What would that billboard say and why? Man, what would that say? I guess it would say, <laughs> I'd probably push for, you know, the, the justice on every block. Honestly, I like, that's what I, you know, I want to see. And, and you know, we can talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, I really would want to push like that. We need justice on every block. And that looks differently mm-hmm. with, with every with every community. But we can't continue to move the way we're moving, where it's again, there's like extracting resources. And the only people that profit off of it are a select few. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are feeling the harms and damages. And so really just trying to center like, hey, you know, you don't have to need, live near this power plant. You don't have to like. Have you deserve a- access to clean water. Right. It, access to clean water, it, access to energy, having a roof over your home and not just any roof over your home. Because, you know, something that, you know, we, we've seen identified and thinking through, like we have a housing crisis, Right. Rent is going up for people are are being displaced and moving around. And where are those folks that are being displaced going? They're going to areas that are cheaper, that may not be as strong to withstand the housing. There are going to be older buildings. And I'm thinking about the many people that were displaced because of this housing crisis that are now being displaced again because of this hurricane, because the place that they were living wasn't able to withstand the things that they need. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm rambling right now, but, you know, essentially I just say justice on every block. Yeah. And how do I know more about, I know if you go to floridarising.org, you can click where it says justice on every block and we'll have an episode dedicated a hundred percent to it. But for right now, very shortly, how do I get access to justice on every block? Yeah, again, yeah, you can check our website, you know, Justice on Every Block. It's a statewide campaign. Again, there we'll talk about it more in later days. But, you know, it's essentially, you know, every block, every family, every person should have access to what they need to be safe, happy, healthy and whole. And again, that looks differently. I could talk about like the folks in Doral that are dealing with the 40 year old incinerator that has been burning a trash, causing a number of, you know, health risks, a terrible odor and impacting the quality of life of a Latinx community, right? Like that's what those folks are facing. And so just on every block, 
for them looks like. What can we do to, one, rid of this incinerator and look at alternatives to handling waste that isn't like burning our, you know, harming our lungs and risking our health and impacting our quality of life? So, yeah. How do I get in contact with you, Mackenzie? Yeah, you can, you know, re- reach out to me. My email is McKenzie at FloridaRising.org. Feel free to reach out to me. Again, uh, also with Justice on Every Block, I would say connect with your people's assemblies. That's in your region. Again, look at our website for a list of events. That's where we're doing the, the work. That's where you can plug in. Also want to give a plug in, you know, our donation site. We're taking in lots of donations. And I'll put all of these links in the description so that folks have access to them too. Yeah, I believe it's ianresponse.org. So yeah, check that out and donate if you can. Give your time if you can. Any donations that you may have gathered. And if you didn't get hit and you're collecting donations, that's great. But if you have more than you need, please, please you know, donate those things to those communities that need it. Right. And so, yeah, that's some of the plugs that I have. Again, reach out if you want to connect and again, t- attend those people's assemblies where all mm-hmm. the brilliant organizers are doing excellent work in their local communities yeah. and demanding justice on every block. Yeah. And if you want also, you can follow Smile Trust Inc. on Instagram and donate your time and your coin also because yeah. we need that. Thank you, Mackenzie, and- so much. What? What's up? Oh, my bad. I was just going to say Flick <laughs> also has a great resource that I can share with you all as well. They have a hotline. They're, they're providing aid for folks, even direct aid if you need, need any, particularly for Latinx and undocumented communities. Again, there's like a large oversight when it comes to undocumented folks, and we want to make sure that they're protected and are able to recover during this hurricane season. So, yeah. That was just my final Thank word. You, Mac- Thank just you, Mac- Mac- <laughs> <laughs> I will post everything that we've talked about in the description box so you can go and see it. And I appreciate you, Mackenzie, and all the work that you do. And thank you for agreeing to be here with me. Of course, Issa, anything for you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.